0: In today's episode, the first ever Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast interview, and it all starts right now. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 24 of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan and as always, I am coming to you from the Batcave. In today's episode, we've got a brief reselling news update, a modest Galaxy CDs Rocks business recap, but most importantly, we have the first actual interview on this podcast. When I started this particular portion of the podcast, I called it the Reseller Talk podcast because my full intention was to interview other resellers and talk about reselling. Here we are, 24 episodes in nearly half a year. (laughs) Eh, You know, better late than never. And I'm finally doing the first interview. So if you are watching on YouTube. I have some bad news for you. The video file for this interview was corrupted, so you're going to see a static image for about the next 40 minutes. I hope you'll stick it out. It was a really entertaining interview. I had a good time. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll get something out of it, so unfortunately, it's just not going to be much to look at. Although, to be fair, this never is. (laughs) So, with that, let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome to the Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk Podcast debut interview. You are actually the first I am really excited to have with us today. A fellow YouTuber and reseller who seems to do it all. He's got a great YouTube channel, does live shows, great what Sold recaps. He even did a dance challenge last week. Uh, (laughs) Please give me a, a warm welcome to Derek from Fundamentals of Side Hustling.
1: Glad to be here, Ryan. (laughs) It's my pleasure.
0: Uh, So welcome. For all my uh, viewers and listeners who may not be familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So my name is uh, Derek. I've been on YouTube for about, uh, probably about a year now. Uh, Well, close to a year. Uh, I just decided to jump into this journey on YouTube after uh, my son pushed me to do it. He uh he's like Dad, I used to start a YouTube and uh so guess what, I started a YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh I've been reselling for for quite some time now. I just went full time reselling probably about four or five months ago. Uh it felt like it was full time for a while now, uh, but you know, I just took the dive uh just to free up more time for myself and my business, my outside business that I have also. Uh so it just felt like it was right. Decided to jump in and do it, and uh, haven't looked back. It's it's been it's been a joy, actually. Awesome, actually being able to do it now. You work longer, you work a lot more hours, but it doesn't feel that way,
0: right? Now, a lot of times when you've got your own business, it, it doesn't feel like work most of the time. <laughs> there are right. days you come down here, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to do this again. <laughs> but so, right? You've been doing the YouTube for about a year. What? Kind of what? How's it been? What's your expectations of it? What what, kind of what are you doing it for?
1: Well, Ryan, when when I think yeah, you you see me a few times, and uh, I'm I'm kind of a cut dry person. Uh, I really don't hide too much. Uh, I'm a kind of take it as you see it type of person. YouTube for me has been fun. Just just seeing the the tunnels you can end up going down and, and the interesting things you can find. But at the same time, just like with anything else, uh, you know, there's challenges that come along with it. A lot of people, there's a lot of people that that want to use you or use uh, certain people to, to gain fame, in a sense. And uh, they'll do whatever it takes to, to get on top. And that goes with anything that you do. Sure. I think that's the biggest pushback that I've had is uh, it's just the fake people. I, I don't like fake people. And right. it, dry, it just drives me absolutely crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, have you had like people approach you trying to get on your channel or, you know, jump on your lives and, you know, kind of steal the show kind of thing, or what kind of experiences have you had that make you feel like that?
1: Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm always a spectator. I, I always dissect things and I see it. I see it happening and I, I see how people use other people and, I've always said, uh, with, with my channel and along, you know, with Regina, my, my friend who I do a live show with that we're going to do it right. And we're going to do it natural. You know, we, there's no gain trains. There's no follow for follow. It's, you know, we follow the people that we genuinely like. We follow the people that we generally want to see them succeed. And I want to see everybody succeed, but you really want to dive into some people just to, just to watch their growth process. And, uh, you know that's really no one's really tried to jump on any type of bandwagon because I'm not big enough to have a bandwagon. Sure. But you do have people, as we call them, culture vultures that that want to pull things from you at a particular time that may benefit them. And I just don't, I don't divulge in that. <laughs> at right, <all>. right.
0: <laughs> Who are some of your favorite YouTube channels in reselling?
1: Uh, Obviously Regina, yeah, uh, the, you know, my crime partner. She's just so genuine in what she does. Uh, Dante, prison for profit. I like him just for the simple fact of his story and and uh, how he's turned his life around and his energy, his positivity. He's he's pretty transparent. Yeah. Some of the bigger guys I like. I don't really watch too many bigger guys. You know, I like to watch a lot of the up and comers and watch them get big. But I think the most genuine big guy that i watch is a uh, cincinnati picker
0: yeah yep
1: you know he seems to be more genuine than than any of the bigger uh resellers or this category that that i've seen and uh yep. you know i follow him and and he just sticks to what he what he does yep. and and he says what he wants to say and really doesn't care uh yep. how people react to it
0: yeah and he is i've met him actually i did a video way back when I first got started with this, I picked, he had bought those storage units and I went out and took some stuff off his hands. And he is genuinely the same guy in person that he is in those videos, which is really, really nice to see. Cause a lot of times, like you say, you're, you're a little worried that it's one thing on air and something else, (laughs) totally different when they're, uh, when they're not. Do you do any other, I know you're real active on Instagram. I saw your post today. Uh, yes. you just hit the $40,000 mark. Is that right? On your 90 yeah, day, I
1: hit the 40 hit the K mark on, That's on awesome. eBay It's a number I've been shooting for, been pushing really hard for, and, and I hit it. So I'm super glad at that. And the reason why I'm happy about it for people that don't sell on eBay, that number fluctuates daily. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, each day that passes, that number goes up or down based off of your sales. And for you to maintain, and I've been maintaining it for a few days before I even posted it. Uh, for you to maintain it, it takes a consistent amount of sales and right. a lot of things that happen behind the scenes for you to maintain whatever number it is that you're aiming for. And that was just a, a major goal, goal of mine uh, to maintain that.
0: Absolutely, that was that was super exciting to see that. That's really awesome. I'm I saw a lot of smaller stuff, so my my 90 day just past the $19,000 mark, but awesome. I'm doing, Dude, that's, that's crazy, you know, CDs and books and a lot of smaller ticket stuff. What kind of stuff were you selling? How, what, what did you do to help get to that mark?
1: I sell a lot of, uh, my main, I guess, niche as they like to say, I sell a lot of toys, a lot of, uh, early 90 toys, vintage toys, a lot of model cars, planes, trains, boats. I love models. Um, but it, you know, if you want to succeed on eBay, you got to reach outside your, your realm and sell other stuff. So I'm, I'm blessed to be able to be in a city that has <laughs> so many opportunities to source all right. year long. It's not like it stops. They yeah. have yard sales all year long here. They have estate sales all year long here. So they have a flea market that never closes. It's open all year long. Yeah. So I'm in a perfect, perfect mix of, of being able to sell a little bit of everything.
0: Right. I'm, I'm located between Cincinnati and Dayton. So I've got two fairly substantial markets that I can go to, but we obviously, we have the seasons and garage sales eventually dry up. Estate sales to some extent continue throughout the year, but they do definitely slow down in the winter. So sourcing gets a lot more difficult, which is why I buy those gigantic lots. So I've got a garage full of stuff that I can work from when, when things aren't going well. So, um, Besides the YouTube and the Instagram, are you do you do Twitter and TikTok and any of the other social <sighs> nah, stuff? Nah,
1: man, I ain't got time for that. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, everybody talk about uh, Twitter and uh, what is it, TikTok, and I literally, I have, I barely have enough time to get on Instagram, and yeah, and I do have a Facebook, but that's I'm very rarely on there. I just, I think Instagram is the easiest for me because it's simply just. Right. Take a picture post uh, and write a caption. Uh, that's easy enough for me.
0: Yep. So I was on a, uh, a live that you were on with Mo, the reseller niche, and it yep. turned out you and I are both uh, fellow former retail guys. Tell me a little bit about that. What was your experience in retail? What did you do in retail and what prompted you to move on?
1: As you know, retail is a trap, right? You get into retail and... (laughs) and I did it in
0: college, and then I ended up doing it for 30 years. So I definitely feel that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I got into retail uh, just to kind of tell my story. I got into retail. I've been working ever since I was 14, and uh, that's all I've known is work. I got into like deep retail when I graduated high school. Uh, I had my son, my first son, when I was 19 and I had to work and right across the street was a Walgreens. It was a brand new Walgreens that was opening up. So there went my, my history in, uh, in retail. I got into Walgreens and moved up, became an assistant manager at Walgreens. Uh, I, I didn't, you know,
0: wasn't the plan. <laughs> no,
1: it, it, this living life so this was early nineties. This is no, late nineties, excuse me. This is ninety nine. Living life as a in the corporate world, A as an African American, uh, B as an African American on a higher management level sure. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough, especially as a youngster. Yep. Right? As a youngster, so a lot of people come at you and you really don't understand that. Um there's a lot, there's a lot to deal with, a lot of red tape to deal with behind the scenes. And I left Walgreens and ended up going to, uh, uh, where did I go? Big Lots, another retail. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, worked at Big Lots for a couple of years. I was assistant manager there, then moved on to uh, uh, family, family, family factory to you. There you go. Factory to you uh, for a couple of years. And then I ended up catching on with Ross and DeeDee. So for people that don't know what Ross, I think everybody knows what Ross is. Right. DD's Dee is kind of the, the TJ Maxx and Marshalls, how they the same umbrella. DD's Dee was a store under the Ross umbrella. I jumped on with them when they had four stores. I traveled the country <laughs> opening stores for DDs. Right. I opened quite a few stores for them. Um, worked there for quite a bit of time, but literally lost all the time with my kids.
0: Sure. Yep. Yeah, uh,
1: And uh, that essentially was the reason why I ended up coming out of the retail because I, I, the hours, you yeah. know, you work oh, yeah. 13, 14, 15 hours on, on any salary. So,
0: right. And plus, especially you really if you're traveling, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. So when you left that, you mentioned you started your own. You've got another business. What is that?
1: So no, when I left, when I left retail, I, we went into actually me and my wife. We went into hospitality, uh, which was you know hotel management. So we had a Motel Six, ran that for a while. I actually like hospitality because it's you know you just. People want to come there and rest and relax, and you're able to provide a yeah. uh, good service for them at that. But yet, the same same thing around when you own a business, uh, you uh, hotel motel, uh, it's dangerous. People don't understand how dangerous, especially motels are. Uh, <laughs> you don't know what's coming in and out. Right, uh, you got to deal with the rigorous drugs and and prostitution and solicitation, everything that comes behind it. It's a dangerous world. And I had kids and we lived on site. So that obviously wasn't going to work out. I then uh, left and kind of been doing my own thing, you know, reselling. Uh, I was working with a staffing company, which Inspired me to open my own staffing company. Okay. So we were a third party company that worked for hotels that provided them housekeeping laundry services. Uh, They was essentially a pay our company and we would provide them employees. It was kind of like a staffing company, but not really because we were based on site. Uh, (laughs) When, and I'm sure you can, you can feel this way as well. When you work retail for so long, you pick up a lot of different things and you work for a lot of people that shouldn't be in the positions that they're in. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So this was one of those situations. Uh, I worked for a company that the owner shouldn't have been an owner. Uh, He just was blessed with money. Right. And he started a business, and he had a lot of great people running that business, but he had no, no, no skills at all. He had no he was just a money man and he made it hard for everyone that was working hard for him. So I say, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm not, I'm not working right. for anyone else. I'm going to open my own business. So I started my own staffing business, stepped out, was doing my re uh, my reselling full time. That's when I stepped back and did my reselling full time and, and it's all balanced out.
0: That's awesome. So what kind of things did you bring from those experiences into reselling that you think have helped you be successful?
1: Uh, a, the customer aspect of it. Now, although we're not dealing face-to-face with people, you still got to have that customer service aspect. You still got to understand that they're paying for a service. They're paying for whatever product you're providing to them, and you can't take it personal when they don't like it. Now, behind the scenes, I talk mad mess. Uh, but <laughs> <when> they-
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we all do. Oh, I can't believe this guy wants to return it, but you send them a really nice, oh, I'm so sorry that this didn't fit, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> You know, man, like,
1: but when you really think about it, is that $30 item really going to break your bank? And if if it is going to break your bank, you're, you're definitely not sourcing. Right. Yeah. Because you, you gotta, you gotta bite the bullet. Although you put no refunds on anything. You got a matter of fact, this morning, uh, I sent out a large transformer. I unfortunately forgot to test it. Um, the guy got it, said it didn't work. Uh, I just sent him a message, to apologize and asked him, you know, a couple of things. If he wants to return it, I'll be glad to take it back. Or if he wants to keep it, I'll be glad to refund him a portion of his money. Right? Um, I, I left it on him. Yeah. So you just got to take those things, man, and just deal with it. Stop taking it personal.
0: Yeah. I'm always That's amazed why. on, like, the various Facebook groups and whatever, the amount of antipathy towards partial refunds. Never give a partial yeah. refund. Just make him send it back. Why would you go through all that drama if you could send the guy five bucks and he's going to be happy and keep the thing and you don't have to pay for return shipping. And it's just, it's amazing that, that people just don't want to do that level of service. They think they're yeah. somebody's trying to scam them all the time.
1: It blows my mind. I, I do not understand it. Yeah. I mean, you got. You got, what, $7 into it? Come on, stop. Just- <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, you could give the guy a 50% refund and still be in the profit on the thing. Right.
1: You're still making money. It, yeah. it just it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I normally always give them that option. I let them decide on what they want to do. Generally, they normally take, they'll keep it, and they'll, they'll I normally give them back a lot. of. I normally give them back, like, 70% of their money back. Uh, I know how much I have into these items. Sure. It's, not, it's not killing me. I just want them to feel good, and I want that good feedback. <laughs>
0: Right. Right. So other than the, the time freedom now to be able to do kind of what you want, what, what what's the best part of reselling for you? What do you enjoy the most and what are you getting out of it?
1: I think the biggest thing for me is, is actually being able to just see my kids every day. Yeah. Although I want them to go back in school,
2: <laughs> <Like>
1: <laughs> really want them to, get uh. my kids to go back in school. Uh, just really being able to spend time with my kids, uh, my, my two oldest, I was spending a lot of time away, a lot of time away. And I lost a lot of that time that I just can't get back. Right. And I'm trying to, I'm taking advantage of that, uh, with my, with my two younger ones. And then who doesn't like to go out and shop, man? Like that's right. what we get to do all day. Really? Like we, we get paid to go out and shop for people. Right. That's basically what we're doing. We're providing that uh shopping service. We're providing a service for people that they don't even know they need it yet until you post that item they're like oh, hey you know what? we got a personal shopper absolutely you do
0: yep yeah I've said in the past that our role and where we make our money is connecting you know a buyer maybe clear across the country or even on the other side of the world with an item that your neighbor had at a garage sale that they haven't been able to find so right. that is it's exhilarating you go find something and you pay two or three bucks for it and you put it up there for 50 or 60 bucks and some guy in Germany buys it and you're like holy smoke yeah <laughs> And just, there's nothing else that you could do that.
1: Yeah, there, there's just no, no other place. Give me one sec. I'm yeah. trying to see here. Hold on. I knew this was going to happen. My postman, I'm, I'm going to take y'all with me. Uh, hold on, is he here? No, he's not here yet. My, my postman, I've been waiting for him. I can always tell when he's having a great day. Like, if he's having a great day, he's here before 12. Yeah. Anytime after 12, I know he's having a bad day.
0: Yeah. So you have, like, daily pickup of your shipments? You don't take stuff to the post office. How does that work out for you?
1: I do on the days that like, I'm like, normally it's kind of schedule wise, right? Normally, uh, on Wednesdays and Thursdays are my days that I go out and source. Those are my set days. I'm going to go out. I'm going to grind all day. Those are the days I go drop off my stuff. Besides that, I do schedule it out. Uh, they come pick it up. No, no issues at all. I always have it boxed up and in a tote waiting for them. And, uh, they take it in and out, two minutes, gone.
0: Yeah. Have they ever like given you any static about taking anything? I've heard some sellers say that their their pickup guy doesn't want to take media mail stuff. He only wants first class and priority, and some of them are pretty picky. No issues like that?
1: No, mine don't even look. You know, they, <laughs> right. they just take it.
0: That's awesome. So you did a video not long ago uh, going to a thrift store and kind of indicated that was not your favorite thing to do. So what yes. what are your favorite types of sourcing? Do you garage sales, estate sales? Do you have a preference of one versus the other?
1: Mine is estate sales. Uh, I love estate sales, and and my postman didn't just pull up out front. So I'm going to take y'all with me. I'm going to take y'all with me. This is real life right here. Right? <laughs> this is this is how we do it. Real life. That's and once again, that's one of the advantages of working from home, right? You can take your laptop, and you can run lives from.
0: Up, we lost you.
1: Anywhere, anywhere, and talk to people, fellow resellers from anywhere, man. I come on, man, I love it. I freaking love it.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) I'm gonna sit you. I'm gonna sit you down for one second. Yep, you're good. And my apologies. I'm gonna sit you down here. See if y'all can see my poster. There we go.
0: (laughs) She's gonna be famous, and she has no idea. So how did you how did you get started in reselling?
1: Uh, my story, uh, just to keep it, safe, I had to clear up some room. I had a shoe. I have a shoe issue. Um, <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love Adidas, and uh, <laughs> my wife gave me an ultimatum. She said, "You know what? You're gonna get another pair of shoes. You need to clear out a pair." And I just wasn't going to give them away. Come on! I spent right. time finding them. So I had to make some out of them. So I posted posted my first thing on eBay uh, quite a few years back. Sold it, and ever since then, I kind of been hooked. Yeah. How easy it was to, you know, a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of buying, a lot of bad things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure. What What do you think was one of the biggest like bad buys or mistakes that you made along the way?
1: Oh man, uh, my biggest was a snow the uh, snowblowers. I had, uh, living here in California, these, uh, snowblowers came up on the auction, right? Now in California, we don't need no snowblowers. Uh, so they were cheap. They, I got them, I got them for like, I think like $12 each and they were selling for about $115. And, uh, I was like, man, I'm winning. I'm about to make all kinds of money. Right. I got this. (laughs) So I got the snowblowers, thought I was going to make a lot of money, come to find out these things are extra large. Not only are they extra large, they don't even fit in my car. And uh. I bought six of them. One don't fit in my car because of the, the width of I had a little, I had a Chrysler at that time and it was just bad business. So I had to get a truck to pick them up, number one. <laughs> and then they weighed so much that I had to get charged for oversize yeah. to ship my FedEx. I ended up, I think I ended up losing like $12 each on, on each right. one of those things. It was only $12, $12 thank goodness, but yeah. I learned a big lesson from that. I, I don't buy anything that big anymore.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, they don't even want to mess with like vintage electronics, you know, VCRs, DVD players, that kind of stuff. <laughs> For that very reason, you get into that dimensional weight thing, and if you're yeah. not really careful, man, you can cost yourself a ton of money.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, you gotta and that you gotta learn. You have to learn the thresholds in in shipping. You gotta know right. that if I if I ship 22 inches instead of 21, it's gonna jump up 25 dollars, right? It's just those little nuances. Yep. Uh, that you gotta find out about shipping. Yep. I and mean, that comes with time, man. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing of reselling, or. It just comes a time. You, you learn it. You go through growing pains. Right. It's, part, it's part of the thing.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, probably everybody that's got a reselling YouTube channel has done a video on shipping and explained <laughs> that very thing, you know, the size and the weight and all that. And until you've gotten burned by it, I don't think it really registers. But the first time you lose a bunch of money because you miscalculated shipping… <laughs> Ding ding ding! It, 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 you know the light yes. comes on, and you're like, oh, "Okay, I, now I know what I need to do." But you, you try to help people out, and then sometimes they just don't don't no, pick up you what just, you're putting you gotta,
1: down. You got to let them deal with it themselves. You got to let them go through it.
0: Yep. So, what other recommendations would you have that a first time reseller probably won't listen to? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's man, that's so funny that you said that. They don't listen. They don't listen. <laughs> you know, you just you get to a point to where you just stop giving out advice. So I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Just have fun. I don't know. You know, my my biggest thing is if you're gonna do it, do it. Yeah, you know, don't 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 be right. flip flop. just if you're gonna commit to it, just commit to it, regardless on whatever you're selling. And I'm sure everyone has heard this a thousand times. If you're gonna start, start with something in your house. Right start with the basic essentials in your house understand that it is not going to sell immediately so if you cannot sit on if you can't afford to go out and spend forty dollars and wait for that forty dollars to come back to you don't do it
0: right Uh, do not do it i see a lot of the kind of newer sellers and they're talking about you know going out and buying pallets and you know spending all this money and i'm like you haven't really even figured out how to do this yet i've I'm always real hesitant about spending that kind of money up front. And even now I've been doing it for a year and a half and I don't buy like big, I'll buy a big lot of items. I'll spend four or five, 600 bucks, but I'm getting five, 6,000 items that I can resell from that. So I'm spreading my risk over this huge number of things and not losing my shirt, but you go out and buy, you know, 10 things and spend a grand and then they sit on your shelf for a year man you're really in some trouble
1: <laughs> Yeah, you are and and you you get the nail on the head if you can't sit on that inventory like right now if i just count just raw inventory i probably have about sixty thousand dollars worth of inventory you yeah. know from my storage to my garage and that's it takes over time you build it up and you know it's going to sell through uh, but in the beginning i don't recommend shoes you know, I, 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 I don't recommend clothing, honestly, uh, right. because clothing takes a while to sell, unless it's your own personal clothing.
0: Right. And uh, then you are you can't lose any money on it, essentially. Nope.
1: nope. I would recommend hard goods, honestly. Uh, if you're going to start out, start, start out with hard goods. Start with your Ross. Go to Ross and Marshall's, and it's just as simple as scanning it, uh, finding something that sells, like coffee makers or... or uh, Anything home goods, pots and pans, like those sell pretty fast. Like little things like that uh, that you can start with and shipping, right? Make sure that you put the correct dimensions and the correct weight on shipping and understand that three pounds is different from three pounds, one ounce. You know, uh, right. That one out makes a huge difference.
0: Right. Well, and like you said, the dimensions is the one that I think probably catches most people out because they weigh the thing and they're like, oh, it's 15 pounds. It's going to be this. But it's it ends up being an oversized box. And all of a sudden, like you said, the price goes from, you know, $9 to $27. And you're like, holy crap, what just happened? <laughs>
1: Yes, it makes it huge. I I spent time. I remember I was boxing some and I was like one inch over. I can't even tell you how hard I worked to get that inch back.
2: Right.
0: (laughs) So what what are you, speaking of that, what's the biggest obstacle for you in reselling now? Is it, is it shipping? Is it sourcing? Is it obviously with the pandemic going on right now, things are a little different than probably they were a year ago at this time, but what's, if there's something holding you back now, what, what would it be?
1: I don't even, I wouldn't even say anything that's holding me back. I think the only thing that's holding me back from making more money is there's not another me. Uh, I just wish, you know, I just wish there was another me. I know next year I was thinking about getting someone to work with me, uh, part time, but you know, that's a, that's a whole other aspect, right? When you're in California, especially, right. You got someone to work for you. Uh, if it's not family, there's a lot of legalities that falls behind that. And, uh, you know, Thankfully, I, I would simply just uh, employ them through my company that I have, and so it's a little easier for me. But this is just not that easy to just have someone work with you. you right? You got to be careful. You got to be careful.
0: Yeah, because you may try to treat them like it's contract labor, but if you're directing them in any way, that's not really how it works out. And I know California is particularly persnickety about that. They're very dialed in with. Labor laws and all the rest of yes.
1: that yeah we we are we're sticklers here in california and for for those labor laws uh, yeah. people love sewing people out here,
0: right <laughs> so do you have other than that any hesitations about hiring people because one of the reasons I left traditional retail was because I was tired of managing people, I was tired of dealing with the drama of you know trying to get a bunch of eighteen year old kids to successfully execute my business <laughs> right so i'm kind of in that right. same boat now i've probably reached a point where it would be helpful to have some people but i'm not i'm not convinced that's the path i want to go down for a lot of those reasons it, is that yeah. kind of where you're at
1: yeah absolutely uh, you 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 got it right i just i don't in particular just just keep it 100 i don't like people all right. Uh people, I saw you
0: say that in one of your videos a couple of weeks ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like they don't you know, when you work retail for so long you, you grow. You, you you get that inside of you because you've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. You've seen it all and, and right. it's the, the ugliness kind of stands out more than anything because you're the one that personally has to deal with it based off of your, your, uh, your position. Yeah. And when you're the one that has to do the discipline and when you're the one that has to do the training and the hiring and the firing, uh, it's, it's taxing on you mentally Right to, to where you just say, I'm not going to deal with people anymore. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's really the biggest pushback is, do I really want to deal with, with anyone? Uh, and, uh, right now I'm more on a 70% no, 30% yes, because they may be able to help me, which is why I probably want to go like one or two days possibly on yeah, that. I think that's all I can take.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, have you thought about doing like the virtual assistant path? I know a lot of folks do that kind of thing, but.
1: Mm, no, I, I don't sell the type of items that, that require someone to have a virtual assistant requires me to have a virtual assistant. I don't sell clothing really. Um, the stuff that I sell is just one of those you list, you got to take, you got to physically be here to take a picture of it and list it and right. put it in the inventory.
0: Now you mentioned like the toys and the models. What, how did you decide that you wanted to go down that route? Is that just something that was available to you? Or is that something you had interest in like from uh, jump?
1: I, I like, I like the toys and my, well, the toys in general, I like the toys because it, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things that it's, it brings it makes people feel good, uh, especially the the Ventus toys, right? It takes them back to a time in their life uh, that that was probably fun to them. Uh, right. They, and there's an abundance of it, right? There's, there's a huge abundance of, of vintage toys and and things, and people are always looking for it. People are always looking to capture their their childhood, regardless on the sure. age that they get. That that resonates from the twenty one year old that's looking for a toy that they had three years ago to the 90 year old. They had a toy back in the day that reminded them of their grandparents. So that that's always a category that's going to sell always. And the models is kind of trended more towards the older, the older people, right? Kids aren't putting models together. Let's just keep real. They don't, we can't even get them to sit down and, and, and eat a sandwich. (laughs) Nonetheless, uh, put a model together that's going to take four days to, to glue and paint. Right. Uh, so the models, they sell over time. They're not quick sellers because I like buying the older models and they're a little bit more expensive to mm-hmm. buy. And the people that buy them are going to be the ones that appreciate how hard it takes to put it together and, and the final product.
0: Right. So are there any toys or models that you absolutely will not pick up?
1: Uh, I will not pick up any more nineties star Star Wars. I,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have boxes of Star Wars. Uh some are valuable, some most of them aren't. You know, you you they're the five to ten dollar and, and I'm trying to re, I'm trying to shift my store as well. I'm trying to shift my price point upward in my store and, and things like that. They're great fill ins. Right. But my true fill ins are, are things that's gonna sell each week. Uh, Star Wars aren't gonna sell each week, you yeah. Fill ins has to be has to be something that I know that's gonna move, like a book or, or something like that. So yeah, I will not be buying any more of the the five to six inch Star Wars figures.
0: Right. <laughs> Do you have what's your dollar threshold? You won't list below ten bucks, fifteen bucks? Do you what's what's the floor for you?
1: My threshold that I'm trying to get at I don't wanna list anything under twenty dollars,
0: okay, yeah. and with the goal of doing what two x three x four x your money what what's kind of your target?
1: My goal right now is I like to do uh probably about a hundred and sixty r o i
0: yeah
1: uh, so you know two and a half times uh two times my money,
0: yeah. Now, you've got, if I remember right, you've got like a dry erase board. You keep track of all that stuff on an ongoing basis, right? Yes. Yeah, you showed that in the video not too long ago. Do you think that's helpful for you?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I I feel like, and I think this goes for everyone. I, I, I really feel like if you had a significant goal, a realistic, realistic is the key. People set these goals and right. and they're just not realistic and you're literally going to be shooting for that goal for the rest of your life and you're not going to get any any type of grat- gratification from it because it's not realistic. You're not going to be able to hit it. Right. If you set realistic goals and have them right in front of you every single day and, and, and hold yourself accountable to it, it shows you. It clearly shows you I made X amount because I did this. Right. Or I didn't make X amount because I didn't do this. It shows you. Right. The proof is always in the numbers. You cannot you cannot uh, argue against somebody on the numbers when you have it right in front of you. And. Now the other reason I do that is just the transparency of it. Right. I, I on <laughs> on YouTube in general. There's a lot of people that post numbers. Oh my God, I sold twenty seven thousand dollars this week. Right? Okay, that's great, man. That's amazing. But they're not keeping it real. They're not. They're not showing. Well, how much did you net from that? You netted seven dollars from that. Just stop.
0: Yeah, well, that's uh, what I actually. That was the point of my whole podcast over the weekend. Was you don't. You're not getting enough from the numbers you see on YouTube or on Instagram to make a fair comparison about Mm -hmm. what somebody's business looks like. They may be selling a ton of stuff at no margin or they may, you know, they may have a low average selling price, but they're selling hundreds of items a week at, you know, like in my case, my gross margins are 90 plus percent. So- I can average $18 an item and still make pretty good money because my margins right. are so high. So taking a snapshot like that, you don't, you're not getting a fair representation of what somebody's business really looks like.
1: Mm-mm. You know, and, and that's sad. You know, a lot of people, that, and that's all you have things. Yeah. You know, a lot of the up and coming people, a lot of people that want to get into reselling, uh, they get bamboozled uh, by, by some of these numbers and it's going to continue to happen. Uh, they, they see they're driven by that big dollar figure and, and not knowing what's really going on behind the scenes.
0: Right. And not knowing how to get to that number. No, no. It's
1: it's I don't think it's fair. It's not it's not fair for the people that are wanting to jump into this as as a means of income to to be shammed and have the wool pulled over their eyes like that. I think we need to try to be as transparent as possible.
0: Yeah, keeping track of those numbers. I'm surprised at the number of resellers that don't seem to wanna to monitor their numbers. They're just they're all about going out and finding some stuff and sell it and they're not really keeping track of what their business looks like. I don't know mm-hmm. how you manage your business, how you <laughs> how you pay your yeah, taxes well, I, and
1: I think a lot of it because we came from retail. Right? Retail, right, everything absolutely. is number driven. Yep. Every single thing is number driven and, and it kinda instills that into you when you're in retail for a long time. You know you're you're only as good as your numbers in retail.
0: Right. So do you work Solely from home. Do you have a storage unit? Any any kind of offsite?
1: Yeah, I have a I have an offsite storage unit. Uh, I process in my garage, and I have uh, shelves in my garage for for my bins. And then in my storage unit, for my storage unit, I have things boxed up and labeled. Each box is labeled, and that's putting each one of my pulsings on which box is in. And then every night at eight o'clock. I leave my house at eight o'clock and my storage is about two minutes of the street. I go pull my orders and then I come home and I fill them and it works out that way.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So is there anything else that you'd like to talk about today? While I got you here, be sure you remind everybody else where they can find your very entertaining channel and your, uh, your hump day hangout live on Wednesdays.
1: Yeah. So we have, we have a live on Wednesdays, um, at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, myself and Regina Michelle. If you're not following her, please make sure you guys follow her. She's one of the most genuine people that I've ever met, like, did, honestly, ever.
0: How uh, did you she's get connected? So genuine
1: and, and, and cares about, really cares about people and, and their success um, to a fault at, at a point. Uh, and, you know, I have an Instagram. If you guys are not following me on Instagram, same thing, fundamentals of, of side hustle. Make sure you feel fundamentals right. Uh everyone spells it the correct way and it's not. It's right. completely wrong. This it's completely illiterate spelling. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh you know, I, I try all kind of different things on my YouTube channel. That's a great thing. If anyone is looking to do YouTube, do it. You know, it's your channel. You're gonna get a bunch of butt heads to come on there and they may give you a thumbs down. Don't let that discourage you. Why? Because they're miserable. Right. Right? They, they have to wake up and still be miserable tomorrow. You don't have to let that bother you. Go ahead and do it, man. I, I, my channel is not, which is the reason why I named it, named it fundamentals of side hustle. I didn't want to get trapped into a niche. Right. So side hustling can be a little bit of everything. Sure. And, uh, that our show, uh, is gonna, is showing that we bring people on our show. Like tomorrow, we have someone who, who, she's just a vlogger. And, uh, she makes money from from vlogging uh, we're gonna have her on there and then at the I end see. of the month I have a close friend of mine who's who's in the marijuana industry and uh legal like and he's gonna come on and talk about the legal aspect on opening opening a dispensary and the, and the red tape that goes behind that uh, so we're we're having different people on and just just trying to trying to gauge our show off of just entrepreneurs regardless on what the field is uh, right. it doesn't matter you know if you want to join our show and you're an entrepreneur and you you want to talk about your hustle and how you make money legally of course because right can't come <laughs> <talking>. <laughs> it's crazy that we
0: have to say that but <laughs>
2: right.
1: uh, but if you want to come on my show you guys can always hit me up on, on uh on instagram Yeah, we we don't we don't care Uh, if you if you can hold a conversation and and don't come on the show with nonsense. We will be glad to have you on the
0: show. Awesome. Well, I will make sure there are links to uh, your channel and Regina's in the show notes and the description below. Uh, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join us and uh, talk to my viewers and listeners. And uh, hopefully we will see you again. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate you, Ryan. Thanks for inviting me, man. It is my pleasure.
0: Absolutely. All right. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Sorry again to the YouTube viewers about the video being corrupt. Hopefully that's a one-time technical issue and uh, the rest of the interviews go swimmingly. But thank you so much for checking that out. And now on with the rest of the show. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on an Apple podcast and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page, where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips, and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again.
1: News Updates
0: all right, time for some reselling news. Not a ton going on this week. If you caught the episode on Wednesday, I talked quite a bit about the delays with United States Postal Service and one of the things that I said in that episode was that I hoped eBay and other reselling platforms would step up to the plate and help us out. And shortly thereafter, eBay did just that. They may not have gone quite far enough just yet, but it's a start. They're at least acknowledging that there is a problem and a potential issue for sellers. So on December 10th, they issued an update. eBay have reminded buyers and sellers that U.S. shipping is hitting record highs this year due to COVID-19. And as a result, shipping times are less predictable than in previous years. That's really, <laughs> that's a pretty generous way of looking at it. So uh, in order to protect sellers, they eBay is using more signals to protect late shipping metrics. So eBay, quote, late deliveries this holiday season will not impact your seller performance rating as long as you continue to meet the expectations you set In your listings, you receive credit for shipping on time when any one of the following happens. Tracking shows a physical carrier scan anytime within your stated handling time. This one still potentially is an issue because not all items are getting scanned as they should. There have been any number of sellers who, particularly over the Black Friday weekend, dropped off packages which did not get scanned for, in some cases, still have not been scanned. And here we are almost two weeks later. So there are still some issues with that one. Secondly, a buyer answers yes to item arrived on time when leaving feedback. Or third, tracking shows a delivery scan within the latest delivery date for the shipping service selected. Even in cases where a buyer may see a faster delivery estimate, your shipment will be considered on time if it arrives by the latest day for the shipping service. For example, if you use a standard shipping service with a one to five day delivery time, plus your stated handling time of two days. The item needs to arrive within seven working days. If your package is delivered anytime during this period, we recognize that you shipped on time. If you meet one or more of the above requirements, we will automatically reflect on time shipping for the transaction. You will not need to contact eBay customer support. We continue to monitor and evaluate carrier transit time and delays, and we'll make adjustments as necessary. So, Excellent news that they're at least starting down the path of providing protection like they did earlier in the pandemic for sellers who may be struck with some late-arriving or item-not-received claims, so good on them. Uh, eBay are also updating estimated delivery dates to provide buyers with the best information possible, so they're extending that window out in what they're showing potential buyers. So hopefully this at least... Resolves some of the potential downside issue in terms of feedback and refunding and that sort of thing. It clearly does not solve the problem with the late shipments that UPS or USPS rather is experiencing, but it's a start. Problems with this sort of thing um, are not limited to eBay. Amazon is facing kind of a different issue and their sellers are. Um, Amazon sellers worry that they can't meet holiday demand as company limits warehouse space. Amazon in August instituted limits on product shipments from third-party sellers who use its warehouses in an effort to make sure it had enough space to store all the goods for the holidays. Third-party sellers, however, are saying they can't restock products quickly enough, causing them to run out of inventory and lose out on some holiday sales. So this has been ongoing for some time, but just now as we're getting really close to the end of the season, it's really starting to be a problem. This limit applies to all product categories, and they differ on an item-by-item basis. If you have a a product that has already been in FBA and has a 90-day sales history, that's the number they're using to determine how much of that product you can send in. If it is a new product for you, however, they are limiting it in some cases to less than 200 pieces per shipment, which can be a real problem if you've got a fast-moving line of product. And check-in times, as sellers are indicating, are sometimes taking up to 10 days. So this has kind of been a problem. Uh, The article, which I will link to, as I always do, in the show notes and the description below, cites a a company that makes board games, which obviously have been super, super hot during the pandemic. Uh, This creator has a game that's out of stock. All he can do is send in more inventory and wait for it to arrive at the FBA warehouses. In the meantime, he says he's losing out on potential sales, which could have a lasting consequence on his business. For instance, how many people he can hire next year. He was budgeting to expand his business based on fourth quarter results, and his results are subpar because he just can't keep stuff in stock. Um, Amazon has, to their credit, they've ramped up their capacity since March. They've grown their warehouse footprint across the country at what is called an unprecedented speed. The company expects to increase its network square footage, which includes fulfillment center space along with sort centers and delivery stations by 50% this year, as opposed to the 15% increase that they did in 2019. However, even with the added capacity, Amazon still had to take steps to conserve space in its warehouses by limiting the storage of third-party sellers products and interestingly, its own goods Uh, they have said that they are metering storage of their own products in addition to third-party sellers. Merchants, however, feel they have had very little say in what those limits actually are and that it has severely constrained their business. So if you're on Amazon FBA, have you run into this at all? Have you had problems getting items sent in? Have you been capped, not able to send enough in and found yourself in a kind of a shortfall situation? And do you feel you're missing sales from it? Uh, This is obviously this is the time of year where most businesses make most of their money. So this is not uh, not the best situation for sellers. Moving on, if you are on Etsy, I'm going to link to an article, I'm not going to go through the whole thing here. There's an article on Business Insider this week. If you run an Etsy shop, half the battle is getting your products seen. Here are fourteen free or affordable online courses, YouTube videos, and resources to help you understand Etsy's algorithm. Really nice article. Cites a bunch of different uh, tutorials and videos. There are uh, tutorials from Skillshare, from Udemy. There are uh, Creative Live has some stuff up here. There are multiple YouTube channels that are listed. So if you're on Etsy and would like some more information on how to get your product seen on that platform, go check out that link down below. (laughs) Uh, eBay, in the midst of all this shipping drama, has announced, and people knew this was coming, but they just officially announced it this week, a new shipping service offers sellers to ship trading cards for under $1 with tracking. So, so far, this has not been something that's been available eBay is introducing a low-cost way for sellers to securely ship trading cards sold on its Marketplace platform beginning in January of 2021. The new shipping service, eBay Standard Envelope, allows sellers in the U.S. to print labels and ship trading cards priced $20 and under, so that's an important caveat, $20 and under, up to three ounces in an envelope with tracking included for less than a dollar. So really, if you're a trading card seller and you sell a lot of you know sub-$20 cards, This is a great way to be able to ship these things a lot more inexpensively and still be protected with tracking. So, again, I will link to that. And lastly, eBay warns of new wrinkles when exporting to the United Kingdom. If you follow the news at all, the the Brexit thing that's been going on seemingly forever is kind of coming to a head. There are some changes about to take place. And eBay has warned sellers of new rules When exporting goods to the U.K. that begin on January 1st, 2021, eBay says U.S. sellers who list on the U.S. eBay site do not have to take any action, while sellers who list directly on the U.K. or European Union eBay sites will see changes to the listing flow. According to eBay, a new model is going into effect for the VAT, the value added tax treatment of goods arriving into Great Britain from outside the U.K., and this will be reflected in your listings if you list on eBay UK or the European Union version. So if you're one of our overseas listeners, and I know there are some, cause I looked at the metrics, <laughs> uh, we have several, particularly in the UK. So uh, be on the lookout for that. There are some changes coming to how you list and how the payments are processed in, in terms of including taxes like VAT and so on. And now the business recap. This isn't quite as exciting as last week. It was still a good week, but not not nearly as good as last week. For starters, I was doing some other things. I was working on some stuff for the YouTube channel and for the website and for the podcast. I did a couple of interviews. For those of you, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Derek. From Fundamentals of Side Hustling. Go check out his channel. Links again below. Uh, Really good guy. Has some really great videos. So definitely go give him a look. I've done other interviews and I have others scheduled, but I was kind of working through that. And to be fair, I was feeling a little bit burned out on listings. I've essentially been doing 150 to 225 listings per week, every week for, man, as long as I can remember. It's been months. And I was pretty crispy. So I cut myself some slack this week. I kind of scaled that back a little bit. I still did 110, uh, but really was trying to do keep it to 20 or less a day, just enough to kind of keep things going, especially given all the problems getting stuff shipped. I felt like this close to the holiday, maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to expend a ton of effort listing old books that are probably not going to be Christmas items anyway. So I relaxed that a little bit. So 110 listings this week. In terms of sales, it ended up being a pretty decent week. Nothing as spectacular as last week. Certainly, I did score another sale on Bonanza. I've talked about that before. If you're not use if you're on eBay and you're not using Bonanza, there's a link in the show notes in the description below. Click on it, go on over there and walk through their process. It's really easy to get set up. It may only be a sale or two a month, but it's extra money and it's so easy to do. So I did have a couple of sales this week on Bonanza. Most of the business, of course, was as always on eBay for sales for the week, fourteen fifty-six and seven cents. So, quite a bit over the normal in you know, a kind of thirteen hundred dollar range. About a ten percent increase over that. So I'll take that. Uh, well off the two thousand dollars from last week, but nonetheless not too shabby. Uh, cost of goods sold for the week fifty-three dollars and eighty-six cents. So not too bad. Net or gross? Sorry, gross profit percentage. 96.3% or $1,402.21. Operating expenses for the week, $574.17. Most of which, again, was shipping costs and eBay fees. I did have, um, I bought a set of cables for something that I needed to connect for all this apparatus for the YouTube and all that. So that went on my charges as well. So 574 and 17 cents for a net profit percentage of 56.87%, which is really, really nice. $828.04 net profit for the week. So the profit before taxes. So that's anything over a hundred dollars a day on average. I'm thrilled with, I hit that number. So we're going to chalk it up as a win. Let me know in the comments How is your fourth quarter continuing? We're starting to get down towards the nitty-gritty here. Um, Let me know how your shipping is going. Have things improved? Have they stayed the same? Have they gotten worse? I'm still seeing a lot of comments on the video from Wednesday that sellers, particularly from, say, the 26th or 28th of November through the 3rd of December, have a lot of stuff out there that has not been scanned and has not arrived. Seemingly, though, stuff after that is moving okay. So let me know how that's going for you. Have a great week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Tune in next Sunday to this podcast where I will be interviewing Dave Midwest-Picker on YouTube. Uh, We're going to have a really good chat. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And uh, if you did, leave us a review. If you're listening on iTunes, leave us a review there. Otherwise, go to my Podchaser page and please uh, give me that five-star review. I would really appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much, as always, for stopping by, and now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.